Hi, and welcome to episode 58 of Spurbs Herbs. Today we are going to be doing another Chinese formula. Da Qing Long Tang Major Blue Green Dragon Decoction. And so we have a lot to cover. So without further ado, we're going to get going. Today. We'll be looking at uh, that Chinese formula. It's in the released exterior wind cold subcategory of formulas. Major blue green dragon decoction. It's an interesting name. We're going to explain why that name is there. Or Da Qing Long Tang. This is another formula that does two almost opposite things. Helps exterior cold while clearing interior heat. And as usual, we will be exploring something a little different. We are going to discuss, finally, one of the world's great philosophies, religions, and its influence on Chinese medicine. And that religion slash philosophy is Buddhism. Please stay tuned, as we will find out how a formula can accomplish two opposite goals and why we would want one to. Before we get going, I wanted to tell you about a new webinar series. I'm starting a new webinar series and wanted to let my podcast listeners know about it before anyone else. It is called Integrative Nutrition in Chinese Medicine, and will cover biomedical and Chinese concepts of nutrition and explore the complementary and alternative concepts that are part of the modern supplement industry. The series will be one live class per month covering a category of nutrition and will include some basic biochemistry, nutrition, and supplements available on the market. We'll be looking with those supplements. We'll be looking at a whole bunch of interesting stuff like interactions with other herbs and drugs. It'll be really useful. In other words, it's going to be the perfect combination of biochemical nutrition, supplements, Chinese medicine, and real-world use cases. If you are a practitioner of any stripe or just interested in nutrition, this is the series for you. And you can sign up for the first class or the whole series at www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org. That's Integrative Medicine Council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L dot org. I will only be teaching these class live one time. After that, it will only be available as a recording. So don't miss this opportunity to learn about a topic all our patients ask about and get a firm understanding of the basics of integrative nutrition. Okay, into today's episode, we have talked about Confucianism before in episode 13, it's been a while, and have had a continuous discussion of various aspects of Taoism. Today we're going to introduce the third of the three great philosophy slash religions of Chinese history, and that is Buddhism. So, you know, I say philosophy slash religions because the idea of a religion versus the idea of a philosophy, when I teach this, I'd always ask the question in my class, what's the difference between a philosophy and a religion? We go through a whole bunch of different things, and you know, I'm not sure exactly. I know what my personal definition is for the difference between those, but I don't know if that's a universal, so I'm not even going to share it with you. Okay, I'll share it just because. I, to me, a philosophy is a way of viewing the world, while religion requires a step of faith in order to go into it. And we, we've had, uh, I've had arguments with that in my class. Love those kind of arguments. Love this stuff. So you know, feel free to disagree with me, but that's where I kind of draw the line. But the, the idea of Chinese thoughts are kind of straddling the line between religion and philosophy. So that's, I usually use the word slash, you know, I do flat philosophy slash religion or vice versa. 
So, and so there are three main ones that have influenced Chinese medicine, influenced Chinese history in general, not just Chinese medicine. Confucianism, we talked about. Taoism, we continually talk about. And Buddhism, and we're going to introduce that today, right now. So Buddhism was founded in India by the historical Buddha, or Sakyamuni Buddha. First Buddhist monks came from India to China in the first century CE. So we, we're talking about Confucianism. We're talking about Taoism. By the way, you know, Lao Tzu, who's the founder of Taoism and Confucius, and Confucius, of course, um, they were said to be contemporaries. You know, they were said to be a, alive at the same time. Or at least, you know, there's some fictional, uh, you know, stuff around that. Buddhism, in the same sort of thing, this, this flowering of time, even in Greece at this time, it was called the flowering of a thousand philosophies. And so all these are relatively contemporaneous. I mean, looking back about 2,500 years, it looks relatively contemporaneous. There might have been 100 or 200 years between them, but... Uh, about the same time they, they kind of developed. And like I said, the first Buddhist monks um, came into from India to China in the first century CE. So it's several hundred years after the founding of Buddhism, they actually start to come into to China. And they started developing followers. And Chinese Buddhism developed its own flavor as, it's, as it interacted with Chinese culture. So it, it morphed a little bit, like most things do. Bodhidharma... In, in Chinese, Dhammo Dasher, uh, the most famous Indian monk that came is the most famous Indian monk that came to China. Uh, legend had it that he spent nine years meditating in a mountain cave before becoming awakened. First patriarch of Chan or Zen Buddhism. So you guys are familiar with Zen Buddhism and you've probably heard of Zen Buddhism. That's Japanese. Uh, the, the Chinese flavor of that is called Chan Buddhism, but similar, you know, same tenets, same, same underlying philosophy. Many Buddhist sutras were translated into Chinese, but notably by Kumarajiva in the 4th century CE. So they started coming in the 1st century CE. They really started translating stuff in the 4th century CE. I mean, there was stuff being translated before then, but we really start to see their influence um, in the 1st century and then really doubling down in the 4th century CE. Basic teachings of the Buddha follow something called the Four Noble Truths. And these are the four, four Noble Truths. The first one is, life is full of suffering, i.e. dissatisfaction. The eight sufferings include birth, just being born is a suffering, old age, illness, death, lost love, being hated. Being hated, not, not hating, but being hated. Unfulfilled desire the five skandhas, which is translated as aggregates, and these include form, sensation, perception, activity, consciousness. In other words, there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of suffering, according to this first of the four noble truths. Second truth is, the origin of suffering is attachment to delusion. Greed, anger, and ignorance chain sentient beings to the painful and delusive phenomenal world. The third noble truth, cessation of suffering is possible. So the first one says there is suffering. The second one, we are suffering because we're deluded or attached to delusion. The third one is you can actually stop the suffering. Moving beyond greed, anger, and ignorance, beyond duality of self and other, right and wrong, good and bad, life and death. And the fourth noble truth is the path that leads to the cessation of suffering. And that's called the Noble Eightfold Path. And this includes right 
views, right thought, right speech, right action, right work, right progress, right mind, right concentration. I just always like to point out that half of these really are about your thoughts, you know, right views, right thought, right mind, right concentration. It's how you're thinking and how that creates delusion, which creates suffering. So that's the Four Noble Truths of Buddha. Another concept of basic teaching of the Buddha is something called dependent origination. Phenomena do not arise independently. They arise dependent on each other. So that's the quote here. No thing and no phenomenon arises out of nothing, and no thing and no phenomenon can exist alone or by itself. All phenomena are produced by causes and conditions. There is no self that exists separate and apart from other phenomena. In other words, basically, we're all connected. And then there's another basic teaching, which I think we've all heard. It's called karma. And this is the universal law of cause and effect. All intentional deeds produce results that will eventually be felt by the doer. I always think of this as, as Newton's, one of Newton's laws, uh, which is basically uh, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. That's in physics. I always think of karma in those terms. Karma is produced by acts of the body, speech, and mind. In other words, you can send out good or bad karma just by your thoughts. Good karma is that which helps sentient beings. Bad karma is that which harms sentient beings. That's pretty darn basic there. Here's an example of a, of a, of a uh, teaching of Buddha. It's called a song on impermanence. With the spouse and these near and dear ones you desire to live together, inseparable for all times, but there's no doubt that you will be separated. From this excellent home, you would like to be inseparable forever and take root in it, but you will surely depart. From this happiness, well-being, and wealth, you want to be inseparable forever so you can relish them, but it is certain you will lose them. From this supreme human body with its freedoms and riches, you wish to be inseparable and own it until the end of times, but there is no way that you won't die. From this really great teacher, you yearn to be inseparable and listen to the Dharma for all eternity, but there is no question that you will be separated. From these good friends, you wish to be inseparable forever, so you hang out together, but it's a sure thing that you will be parted. Therefore, from today on, don your armor of vigor. The time has come to travel to the land of inseparable great bliss. Your friends who have developed wariness from the depths of your hearts, I, a Dharma beggar, request you to do so. Well, that sounds a little down, but it also is very real. So it's very interesting. So, you know, I, I would, when I talk about Buddhism, Confucianism, and Taoism, I do a one-liner to kind of explain the difference between them. And this is very simplistic, so please be, you know, wary. I, you know, this is way reduced. But I've always said that Taoism is about nature. It's about how you perceive and, and react and live in nature. Confucianism is about society. It's your proper place and how to, how to be the best you can be within society's strictures. And Buddhism, to me, 
seems like it's about philosophy. I mean, excuse me, about psychology. It's about how our thoughts and our actions um, work in the world. And if we correct those and do well with them and work on our own psychology, the world is a much better place. Again, super simplistic. This is just my sort of interpretations of that. But I think it kind of summarizes some of the influences and, and, and essences of those three. Um, so take it with a grain of salt, but there you go. So let's, what are the influences of Chinese Buddhism on, uh, on Chinese medicine? And, and, and this is somewhat unclear and vague because, you know, you can really see with Confucianism, you know, the whole idea of the meridians and the structure of the meridians is very Confucianist in thought. Um, you know, the whole idea of with herbs, you know, observing animals, seeing what they used as herbs and how they healed themselves very Taoist, you're out in nature, you're meditating in nature, very Taoist and sort of thing. There's not a clear-cut sort of thing with Buddhism along those lines. But one aspect of that is the morality of physicians. Uh, and, and this, a lot of the morality in Chinese medicine seems to come from this. And an example I have here is Sun Tzu Miao's On the Absolute Sincerity of Great Physicians. This is often called the Chinese equivalent of the Hippocratic Oath. Uh, so this is about how, um, really how a, a physician should should interact with the world. And when you read it and, and look at it, it, you can see there's some Taoist influence, there's some, some Confucian influence, and there's a lot of Buddhist influence in, in that on this absolute sincerity of great physicians. And, and that was written about, if I remember correctly, around 600 CE, so a couple hundred years after the sutras had been, had been uh, mostly translated. And what we're starting to see is something called Neo-Confucianism happening in China, which is sort of a combination of all three of those, Taoism, Buddhism, and Confucianism. And it was called Neo-Confucianism. And so that was really um, strong at the time that Sun Tzu Miao wrote on the absolute sincerity of the great physicians. You can really see it in that. It may also show in the influence of Qigong in Chinese medicine, shows concentration and focus on purification of the senses and awakening the mind. And it may be reflected in titles of some herbal formulas and texts. I have a question mark on that. Some example is universal salvation, universal benefit. These are not Taoist or, or Confucius sort of approaches to things, uh, but is very much in, in line with Buddhism. So some of the names uh, can be reflected there. So that is in a really tight, small, tiny nutshell <laughs> Buddhism. And there's a lot more to to know about this as we go along. Uh, so with that introduction to Buddhism, let's talk about today's herbal formula. So today, we're going to be talking about Da, Da, Qing, Long, Tang. That's the, those are the different tone marks for Chinese. Uh, da, Qing, Long, Tang is translated as Major Blue Green Dragon Decoction. The name of this formula is thought to be derived from the ancient Chinese symbolic associations. The wood spirit from the east, known as the blue-green dragon, is present in the billowing ocean waves and is responsible for generating clouds and for stimulating them to produce rain. This formula produces sweating like the dragon produces rain. It is one of the strongest diaphoretic formulas in discussion of cold damage and is thus referred to as major. Major blue-green dragon decoction, excuse me, minor blue-green dragon decoction, Xiao Qinglong Tang, transforms thin mucus and expels pathogenic influences, much like the dragon manifests in the power of the waves. Its effect on the qi and the fluids is milder, thus it's referred to as minor. And I should say this is all from Shide 
and and his team and uh, you'll see the the thing I forgot to put it in the reference here. Other names for this formula include licorice decoction, just Gansau Tang. Uh, that was in one book. I don't, you know, be a little bit careful if you read Gansau Tang and then think it's absolutely the same thing because there's other formulas that may be, may be called Gansau Tang. And also, uh, rather than uh, major blue-green dragon decoction, it could be major blue-green dragon combination. This formula is in the subcategory of formulas that release exterior cold uh, under the category of formulas that release the exterior. Chen Chen is similar in places it in the subcategory of acrid and warm exterior releasing formulas under the category of exterior releasing formulas. So very similar. Um, instead of saying it releases exterior when cold, what it does, uh, which is the, the action that it does, Chen Chen actually say what the herbs do. They're acrid and warm exterior releasing herbs. So this formula is acrid and warm exterior releasing formula. But sort of the same exact thing, just slightly different points of view. So if we're going to talk about this formula, we really need to understand what a formula that releases the exterior does and why. And then we're going to talk about the wind cold releasing the exterior, what that means is release the wind, you know, release the exterior through wind cold. Okay, so Scheid uh, and, and his team describe the overall uh, category in the following way. When a pathogenic influence first penetrates the body, it tends to cause a disorder of the exterior. In this context, the term exterior, biao, denotes the superficial layers of the body comprised of the skin and muscles. These are perfused by the body's protective qi, which is wei qi, which is fierce and hot in nature and whose task it is to warm and defend against penetration into the body by external pathogens. If a pathogenic influence lodges in this aspect of the body, it not only obstructs the normal physiological diffusion of qi and fluids there, but encourages, encourages the body to move more protective qi toward the exterior in an attempt to push out the invading pathogen. I always like to view this as sort of a war happening. For this reason, exterior disorders, are, or I should say battle maybe than a war, for this reason, exterior disorders are characterized by fever and chills, indicating obstruction of normal physiological warming, even as protective yang in the exterior tends towards excess. Um, wei qi is associated with that protective yang, so that's why it says that. Head and body aches, indicating obstruction of qi and fluids in the most yang exterior portions of the body. And a floating pulse, indicating the movement of protective yang toward the exterior. Since wind is the vehicle by which other external pathogenic influences enter the body via the exterior, it is involved in most exterior disorders, especially those involving cold and heat. Thus, it is said that wind is the leader of the hundred diseases. Feng Wei, Bai Bing, Zhe Zhang. Symptoms associated with an exterior disorder indicate that the body is actively trying to overcome obstruction of the qi dynamic by one or more of the six pathogenic influences. Treatment in Chinese medicine seeks to support these physiological reactions through strategies that release the pathogenic influence from the exterior, jie biao. For this purpose, one deploys light, acrid, moving herbs, acrid meaning spicy, moving herbs, 
that unblock obstruction, diffuse the protective chi, and disseminate fluids to vent pathogenic influences back toward the outside. No other strategy will prevent the pathogenic influence from penetrating more deeply into the body. Often, but not always, this results in sweating. This type of sweating indicates that an obstruction has been overcome and the chi and fluids can once again stream to the surface of the body. Like the flow of water that breaks through a dam, the sweating may initially be pronounced, especially if a very acrid and warming formula is used. However, the profuse sweating should quickly abate as the body finds its physiological balance. For this reason, releasing the exterior is often equated with inducing sweating. Yet in many contexts where formula is, formulas to release the exterior are used, the sweating may hardly be noticeable or strong pathological sweating may evolve into a milder physiological sweat. This is because the ultimate goal of these formulas is not to promote sweating, but to unblock and restore order to the flow of qi and fluids. The term release from the exterior was first described in chapter five of the basic questions. And we refer to the basic questions before. This is from the Huangdi Neijing Su Wen. So that's the Yellow Emperor's classic of internal medicine, basic questions. There's two parts to it. One of them is the basic questions. This is the oldest existing book on Chinese medicine written about 200 years BCE. And here's from chapter five of that. If a person harbors a pathogen, the body becomes soaked as the movement of protective qi to the exterior transforms fluids into sweat. Hence, when the pathogen is at the level of the skin, use sweating to discharge it. The first known text to list herbal formulas that embody this strategy is the early, early third century work, Discussion of Cold Damage, which provides some of the most influential formulas in this category, such as ephedra decoction, ma huang tang, cinnamon twig decoction, guajir tang, and their variants. So this discussion of cold damage, shang hong mung, is the oldest existing book on Chinese formula that we have. So this is where formulas first start coming into play, so very, very important. Uh, so that is the shang hong mung. It's focused on acrid warming herbs to overcome obstruction from wind, cold, and dampness dominated medical practice until the Jinyuan dynasties of the 12th to 14th centuries, so almost 900 to 1100 years, uh, about a millennia, let's say, on average. Innovation until then consisted of extending the range of substances used to promote sweating rather than seeking new areas of application. This changed in the 12th century with Liu Wansu's focus on heat pathogens which led to the idea that heat in the exterior can occur there directly rather than being due to constraint caused by cold. And so um, this establishes a whole new way of thinking about exterior diseases called the Wenbing school, um, uh, Wen school or the hot disease school, hot pathogen school. And Shang Hong Lung is the cold pathogens, you know. So um, going back to the Wenbing, the hot pathogens. Venting such heat requires the use of acrid cooling substances which do not necessarily promote noticeable sweating. The treatment strategies and formulas composed by 17th and 18th century physicians like Ye Tian Shi and Wu Ju Tang, uh, who are associated with the warm pathogen current, are most emblematic of this approach. Other innovati innovations stemming from the Jinyuan era are the combination of exterior venting with tonifying herbs 
to treat exterior excess combined with deficiency of chi, blood, or fluids in the interior, and the use of herbs to dispel pathogens from specific channels and their associated surface regions. All right, skipping a little bit beyond that history. Sweating, back to sweating. Sweating is the first of the eight methods of treatment formulated by the 18th century physician Chen Guopeng, underlying, underlining its importance in clinical practice. Yet many practitioners continue to underrate this method. This is unfortunate because the odds of preventing the development of a serious condition are always better when intervention occurs at the earliest stage of an illness. It is best to treat diseases uh, at the level of the skin and hair. The next best is to treat them at the level of the muscles and flesh. The next best is to treat them at the level of the sinews and vessels. The next best is to treat them at the level of the six yang organs. The next best is to treat them at the level of the five yin organs. When treating at the level of the five yin organs, half the patients die and the other half survive. This is, that whole section is from chapter five of the basic question. So again, very old uh, quote there. Successful use of the formulas discussed in this chapter will be aided by paying attention to the following principles. First, accurate diagnosis is essential. If an interior disorder develops before the exterior has been released, the practitioner must choose between releasing the exterior first or treating the exterior and interior simultaneously. The formulas in this chapter are inappropriate for treating disorders solely of the interior, exp expressed rashes, or edema due to deficiency. Likewise, it is important to be clear about the precise nature of the pathogenic influence to be released, as this determines the choice of formula. One must also be cognizant of the type of sweating to expect from a particular formula. The second thing to keep in mind with for the successful use of these formulas, second, most of these formulas should be cooked briefly. They treat acute disorders and are prepared as decoctions or powders. They contain substances that are light and volatile in nature, which, if subjected to too much heat, lose their efficacy. From sort of a modern approach, that what that means is it has volatile oils, and a lot of these exterior-releasing acrid herbs have volatile oils. Think about peppermint very volatile oil. And so if you cook them for too long, that oil will, will dissipate. They, they're volatile. That's the part of the definition of it. The third rule is formulas should be taken after hot meals will provide the best results. Formula taken hot meal after hot meals will provide the best results. Sweating is further encouraged by instructing the patient to bundle up after taking the medicine. As the goal of sweating is not sweating itself, but to assist the function of the protective chi, only a slight sweat over the entire body is needed to release the exterior. Excessive sweating dissipates the chi in fluids. Fourth, the formula and dosage should be adjusted to the individual's constitution, local climate, and season. For example, a person who sweats easily, lives in a warm climate, and contracts an illness during the spring or summer requires only mild treatment. On the other hand, a person who does not sweat easily, lives in a cold climate, and contracts an illness in the autumn or winter, requires stronger treatment. So that was formulas that release the exterior in general. This is in the subcategory under that called formulas that release exterior when cold. And here's uh, an explanation of those formulas. Again, this is Shide. 
uh, describes this subcategory. Wind cold disorders are marked by fever and chills. Chills predominant. Head and body aches, clear or white secretions, nasal discharge, sputum, and such, and a floating pulse. There are many types of wind cold disorders and all require the use of formulas that release pathogenic influences from the exterior by inducing sweating. By definition, all exterior cold disorders are excessive in nature. Depending on the body's defensive reaction, two major types can be differentiated in practice. Cold damage, or shang han, and wind attack, zhong huang. Cold damage is characterized by a strong defensive reaction to a strong pathogen. Cold blocks the circulation of protective qi and fluids in the outer layers of the body and closes up the interstices and pores, which prevents sweating. Meanwhile, internally, the constraint of protective and nutritive qi causes high fever and severe body aches. Patients displaying this pattern require a formula that strongly induces sweating. If the defensive reaction is characterized by disorder and disruption rather than complete obstruction, it is termed wind attack. In this case, although there is sweating, the condition does not improve. This is because the protective qi is unable to expel the pathogen. Treatment still requires sweating, but it must be accompanied by appropriate regulation and harmonization of the relationship between the protective and nutritive qi so that the sweating will achieve the goal of expelling the pathogen. The lungs focus on the skin and surface of the body and govern the dissemination and clarification of qi. Cold, externally contracted diseases often enter through the skin and disrupt the downward directing functions of the lungs with such symptoms as cough and nasal congestion. Because cold has a tendency to congeal, which can lead to headaches and body pain from constraint and stagnation of the nutritive aspect, often warm, acrid, exterior-releasing herbs are matched with those that invigorate the blood and unblock the vessels. The tendency of cold to, con to cause contraction also affects the fluids, transforming them into dampness or phlegm. Okay, so that sets up sort of the basic theories underlying the use of this formula. So let's talk about what this formula does. What, it's Chinese, what, it, what are its Chinese medical actions? Scheid and his team say this formula promotes sweating, releases the exterior, and clears interior heat. Chen and Chen, which is our other major textbook that we use here, uh, say it induces diaphoresis and releases the exterior and clears heat and relieves irritability. They say that heat can cause irritability, so that makes a lot of sense. So both of them are saying it, it inducing diaphoresis means promoting sweating. So it's just a technical way to say promote sweating, releases exterior. So that's exactly the same between the two of them. And then the Scheid says clears interior heat while Chen Chen say clears heat and relieves irritability. Again, fairly similar, very similar uh, things, uh, aspects the same. So what are the indications? So that's the actions. So what are the indications? Why, you know, what would you see in order to use these formulas? So Scheid and his team say this formula can be used for exterior cold with heat from constraint in the interior, characterized by severe fever and chills without sweating, body aches, thirst, irritability, a floating tight pulse. So this is this is that interesting. We have exterior cold, interior heat, but that interior heat is constraint is the is really what's going on. And we're going to see more of that in just a minute. So continuing with Shai, 
The formula may also be used for overflowing thin mucus, or yi yin, patterns defined by heaviness and aching of the entire body, or by superficial edema in the extremities, in addition to the other signs and symptoms. The second major pattern treated by this formula is overflowing thin mucus, which is defined in essentials from the golden cabinet. The fluids flow throughout the entire body and come together in the four limbs. They should issue a sweat, and when they do not, the entire body aches and feels heavy. This is a description of superficial edema when, with the fluids constraining yang chi in the interior, leading to a sensation of heaviness that and an aching that is accompanied by generalized irritability and restlessness. By promoting physiological sweating, this formula disperses superficial edema even as it clears and discharges interior heat from constraints. Continuing with Chen and Chen, uh, who say, this is Chinese medical indications, they'll say, Da Qing Long Tong is a variation of Ma Huang Tong, a federal decoction, and tre treats severe Tai Yang cold syndrome with interior heat formation. So Tai Yang cold syndrome, that's very technical, getting into the six levels, a little bit beyond the scope of this podcast, but certainly very important as, as we go through this. A ver uh, going back to what Chen Chen say, aversion to cold, fever, absence of perspiration, and a superficial tight pulse all indicate Tai Yang cold syndrome of exterior excess and wind cold. Because of the severe cold constriction at the exterior, the yang qi is unable to disperse and circulate. The blockage of yang qi circulation eventually produces interior heat. As a result, patients experience irritability and restlessness. Therefore, optimal treatment requires the use of herbs to release wind cold from the exterior and clear heat from the interior. There you go. So this formula, the history of this formula is, is really straightforward. Both Shine and Chen Chen, which they don't always do, but they do agree here that the source for this formula is the first existing book on Chinese herbal formula, as we mentioned earlier, the Shang Hanlun, or Discussion of Cold-Induced Disorders, uh, also just, you know, discussion of, of, uh, of cold, you know, on cold damage is another translation for that book, by Zhang Zhangjing, written in 220 CE, um, should you know mention briefly that this was actually there was an it, it was a different book that was later separated into two books and the Shanghan Lung is one of those two books the other one being the um, Jingwei uh, Yaofeng Lung. Okay, so that's brief history. Let's talk about the ingredients of this formula. Uh, treating and and before we do that, this is just a little bit of an explanation of why the the ingredients are in there and and um, the doses. So. Treating a pattern characterized by wind cold in the exterior complicated by constrained heat in the interior requires a strategy that resolves the exterior while simultaneously clearing heat constraint in the interior. This is achieved by an ingenious modification of a federal decoction, Ma Huang Tang. Uh, if you're not familiar with Ma Huang Tang, it's usually the first formula as a Chinese herbalists we study. Uh, and very, very important, even though Ma Huang ephedra, we're gonna talk about that in just a minute. Um, but there we go. So the dosages of ephedra, herba, mahuang, and glycerisere radix preparata, jirgansau, that's prepared licorice, have been doubled. While that of arminaceae semen shingren, which is, is apricot seed, has been reduced. Three more herbs, gypsum fibrosum shirgao, uh, that is um, uh, gypsum, is, is a mineral. Zingiberis rhizoma recens shenjiang, that's fresh ginger. 
Jujube fructus dazao, that's Chinese dates, have been added, making the structure of its composition and range of indications distinctly different from its parent formula. We see this a lot as we go through these uh, through formulas that they're based on other formulas and modified to do what we want them to do. So very sort of typical approach to this. So getting into that, let's talk about those ingredients in a little bit more depth. First up is ephedra herba from Huang. We have 18 grams is sort of the traditional uh, dosage for this, though in current days it's, it's more like 12 grams is used. Uh, and this or this herb Mahuang comes from herbs that cool and trans excuse me that um, acridly cool the the and release the exterior. So uh, they cool wait, sorry acridly warm and release the exterior herbs. That is where this herb is from, warm and exterior, which is you know part of what the formula is trying to do. It induces sweating and releases the exterior, disseminates and facilitates the lung chi, calms wheezing and stops coughing, promotes urination and reduces edema, warms and disperses cold, cold pathogens. Ma Huang is the chief herb. The diaphoretic action of Ma Huang is assisted not only by Cinnamomum ramulus guajir, but also by Zingiberis rhizoma recens shenjiang. So we have guajir, Cinnamomum ramulus, that cinnamon twig, not the bark, which is sort of the spice, it's the twig of the plant. And um, Zingiberis rhizoma recens shenjiang is our fresh ginger that we just mentioned. Together, these three herbs strongly open the pores, induce sweating, and scatter when cold. Now, before we can move on from the herb, have to have to say Mahuang is pretty much banned in most developed countries. I know in the U.S. it's banned, almost positive it's banned in, in Canada and Australia. Um, most developed countries uh, ban the herb because there have been deaths associated. Now, in my opinion, those deaths happened because it was used inappropriately in individuals that had heart conditions. Um, so, you know. There's never been a death associated with its use in, by a Chinese medical practitioner that I am aware of, but it is effectively banned. It's the only herb that's really truly banned uh, uh, on a long-term basis. There may be some other um, other herbs that are banned in certain countries, but this is a big one uh, for Chinese medicine. So it's difficult to get your hands on. This formula is difficult to get in that case because uh, there's really no substitute for Mahuang. So that kind of puts a crimp on the whole formula, but uh, it's still an important formula for us to understand the concepts about. So we're going to continue our exploration. Our next herb is Arminaceae Siemens Shingren. This is apricot seed. We want generally six to nine grams of that is the traditional, though six grams is used more modernly. And it's in the category of herbs that relieve coughing and wheezing. It stops cough and calms wheezing, moistens the intestines, and unblocks the bowels. We say seeds. This is a seed. Semen is a seed. Um, it, uh, they all tend to moisten the intestines and unblock the bowels, so this is no exception there. It is an assistant in this formula. And uh, the quote here is the synergism that it develops. All the quotes, by the way, are from Scheid et al., even if I don't quite put it out there. The synergism that it develops of Ma Huang is important. Its bitter flavor directs lung chi downward and balances the dispersive action of mahuang, while its oily nature moderates the damage to the lungs by the latter's drying effect. That's Qingren. Our next herb is Cinnamomum ramulus or guajir. Uh, six grams traditionally used, though uh, modern day more like four grams. And this is in the warm, acrid herbs that release the exterior. Guajir, cinnamon, twig, and mahuang are 
used together quite a bit. They're from the same category. Uh, in this case, it is an assistant herb. It releases the exterior. It traditionally releases the exterior and assists the yang. Warms and unblocks the channels and collaterals. Warms the yang and transforms thin mucus. Assists the heart yang and unblocks the yang chi of the chest. Warms the channels, vessels, and collaterals. And warms the middle and directs turbid yin downward. Ma Huang, Guizhou, and Zinjibaris rhizoma recens, Xinjiang, and the crushed ginger open the pores and interstices and thereby provide an outlet for excessive fluids. So that's a great combination here, those three. Our next herb is probably, if I, you know, it's prepared licorice, Glycerusary radix preparata, or Jurgansal. Between prepared licorice and unprepared licorice, Gansal probably the most commonly used herb in, in Chinese uh, herbalism. Uh, and, and interesting, the traditional dosage of this is six grams, but um, Chen Chen says use five grams uh, in modern day. I don't know if there's a huge difference between that one gram. It is from the category of herbs that tonify the qi. And in this formula, it is an assistant herb. This herb is prepared with honey, which significantly increases its ability to tonify the middle, augment the heart and spleen qi, and harmonize the properties of other herbs. That's why it's so commonly used in formulas, is that it harmonizes the formulas and makes them more you know, easier to go with each other. And that's probably its main use here as well. In fact, let's find out what, what Shide says about why it's here in this formula. The sweet and warm jujube fructus dadzao and jirgansao tonify the middle burner chi and provide the essence from which the fluids can be replenished. They actively facilitate sweating in a context where fluids may have been damaged by internal heat while also moderating the drying action of the acrid and warming diaphoretic herbs. It also functions as a harmonizing herb that pulls the different actions of this formula into a coherent whole. So it's a very interesting herb. It's a really good herb. We're going to see there's a few issues about it, but it's a great herb. Our next herb in this formula is gypsum fibrosum or shergao. And uh, traditionally, 12 to 30 grams are used in the formula, though today, more like just 12 grams. And it's actually from a category called herbs that drain fire. So this is really a cooling herb. And its functions include clears heat, drains fire, clears heat, and drains, and, and clears brazing, blazing stomach fire as well. And in this formula, it is a uh, deputy herb in this formula is acrid, sweet, and cold. It clears internal heat without inhibiting the dispersing action of the diaphoretics or further damaging the yin fluids. So it's, an, it's a really good cooling herb for this formula. Sinjibaris rhizoma, rhizoma recens, Shenjiang, which is uh, a fresh ginger. And we do, in Chinese medicine, we make a differentiation between fresh and dry ginger, very different. Uh, and nine grams is used to this, both traditionally and in modern use. And it is also in the category of, or subcategory of warm acrid herbs that release the exterior. So that's the same as Ma Huang and Gui Zhe. Traditionally, it releases the exterior and disperses cold, warms the lungs and stops cough, and resolves toxicity. One of the assistants in this formula, the combination of Shenjiang and Jujube fructus or Dadzao, tonifies the spleen and stomach and harmonizes the nutritive and perfective qi. Xinjiang also warms the stomach and disperses fluids. Interesting how that works. Very useful. Uh, great herb. Again, 
God's out. You know, there's liquor is probably the most common. But the we in, in Chinese medical school we called uh, licorice, uh, the ginger, fresh ginger, and the Chinese uh, dates, which we're about to mention, the three amigos, and they're 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 very good for harmonizing putting those together. So let's talk about that third one, jujube brutus dadzao. Uh, it says 12 pieces traditionally, though three pieces are generally used in modern times. I, I, I've been told that modern times the, the date is much bigger than it used to be. And, and this is also in the herbs that tonify the qi category, uh, just like uh, the, the licorice was as well. Traditionally, it tonifies the spleen and augments the qi, nourishes the blood and calms the spirit, and moderates and harmonizes the harsh properties of other herbs. Another assistant herb, according to Shaida et al., the, the combination of Shenjiang, Dazao, and Gansao reinforces the movement and transformation of middle burner qi. And like I said, they're often used together. That's all the ingredients in this formula. Uh, so Ralph is asking, is gypsum an herb instead of a mineral? So remember in Chinese medicine, we, it's actually called the Materia Medica or, or medical material. And we do not make an ex a distinction between plant substances and other substances, animal substances or mineral substances. So we all kind of, we just, it's probably not exacting language to, to call it an herb, but it is definitely part of the Materia Medica, the, the, med the medical materials. So yeah, it is absolutely a mineral, um, but there you go. So that's a good question. Okay, so how is this formula prepared? Uh, Scheid and his team say decoction is the method of preparation and the source text advises to first boil a ephedra herba ma huang and separately and, de uh, separately and decant the froth that forms on the surface of the decoction before adding the other ingredients. Once the decoction has been prepared, it should be taken gradually in several doses. As soon as a sweat is produced, administration should stop. And Chen and Chen similarly agree the source text instructs to cook Ma Huang of Herba Ephedra first with nine cups of water, eight, 1,800 milliliters, until seven cups or 1,400 milliliters of the liquid remain. Remove the foam from the top, add the other ingredients, and cook until the liquid is reduced to three cups or 600 milliliters. Take one cup, 200 milliliters of the strained decoction while warm to promote mild sweating. Discontinue the formula once preparation perspiration occurs. I've never liked these cook it until sort of formulations because I it's really hard to determine exactly. So I, I prefer time rather than um, volume, but volume is a good way to do it. Going back to um, Ralph's question, uh, he asked if we put the gypsum in as a powder. And actually, traditionally, if you look at what it says, it says it was very interesting because Shaid et al. said use about an uh, the a piece of gypsum the size of an egg, and Ch and Chen Chen said use a piece of gypsum the size of an egg yolk. Now the size of an egg that's a huge piece of gypsum, so I think the egg yolk is probably a more accurate uh, uh, description of the of the amount to put of the doses of it. And they do specifically say you know it's the size of an egg yolk, so I don't think it's put in as a powder. Though modern day hard to get gypsum you know like if you order gypsum as an herb i've seen it more often than not as a powder rather than as as chunks so I, I i don't think it really matters if it's a powder or not the problem with a powder is that you're gonna you're gonna have to strain do do a really good job of straining the decoction when it's done but i think traditionally it would not be a powder it would be a chunk of the gypsum fibrosum so to answer your question 
Is the Fedra easy to get in China? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yep, no problems there. Not bad there. <laughs> okay. Commentary on this formula. Uh, we still have, you know, quite a few pages to go here, and we've got about 12 minutes to do it. So we're going to do our best to get through it all. According to Scheid et al., this formula is exemplary for realizing a treatment strategy first advocated in the inner classic. Again, that is part of the, that's the inner classic of, of uh, uh, Yellow Emperor. For fire, this is a quote from there, for fire due to constraint, discharge it. Huo yu, yu fu zhe. The fire referred to in this maxim is the body's own yang qi, also known as the ministerial fire or, at, or the fire at the gate of vitality which has become constrained and therefore changed from physiological chi into pathological fire. Under normal circumstances, ministerial fire warms and disperses body fluids, which in the interior manifests as physiological sweating. It follows that promoting sweating can therefore also be used to discharge from the body a pathological accumulation or buildup of yang qi. This is what is meant when zhang shi chun speaks of transforming heat that is accumulated and built up in the chest into sweat. This strategy is particularly indicated where the accumulation is due to cold. Acrid warming, in this case, not only increases the diffusion of yang qi toward the exterior, it also actively disperses the pathogen from the body. Irritability and restlessness due to yang qi constraint in the interior is thus one of the more most important clinical markers for selecting this formula. Symptomatically, such constraint may also be reflected in skin that is burning hot to the touch, upflushing of heat, a dry nasal passage, or thirst. Sweating in edema. This is a subheading under the commentary. Given the prominence of such heat signs, it may seem odd that the formula is also able to treat superficial edema, that is, water excess. This apparent contradiction is easily resolved by remembering that from a yin-yang perspective, the excess of fluids, water, in the exterior necessarily implies a deficiency of physiological heat or fire. By mobilizing yang qi toward the exterior while simultaneously opening up the pores, the formula restores a more physiological balance between water and fire, relieving the edema even if it does not directly treat the fluids. The commentators therefore agree that inducing sweating is the main goal of this formula and that unblocking the pores and interstices is the necessary means for achieving this end. Zhang Zihe, famous for his focus on eliminating pathogens from the body, argues in Confucian's duties to their parents, this is the, in Chinese Rumen Shir Jin, written in 1228 CE, that in a wider sense, the sweating method denotes not just the actual production of sweat in the body surf at the body surface, but an opening of the mysterious mansions, Shuang Fu, in order to drive out pathogenic qi. The term mysterious mansions is commonly understood as referring to the sweat pores. Some physicians, however, most notably the 19th century writer Zhou Shui Hai, define them as points of entry and exit for the qi and body fluids that can be found throughout the tissues and organs of the body. This gives a useful perspective on how we might best understand the complex composition of this formula especially the functions of what we regard as the two deputy herbs, gypsum fibrosum shergao and zingiberis rhizoma recens shenjiang. You'll notice this is deputy herbs here. I think I mentioned at least shenjiang was an assistant herb. Those discrepancies happen quite a bit, so take it with a grain of salt. 
Uh, while shergao is cooling, it is also acrid and sweet, and therefore thereby facilitates the movement of qi and fluids through the pores. An essay is on medicine esteeming the Chinese and respecting the Western, writ 1918 to 1934, Zhang Shi Cheng describes the action of shergao in this formula. Its acrid dispersing and cooling moistening character can help Mahuang and Guizhou rust out the pathogen from the exterior. It is also excellent for transforming heat that is accumulated and built up in the chest into sweat, which is emitted as it follows Mahuang and Guizhou venting of the exterior. The relatively large dose of Xinjiang, on the other hand, unblocks the flow of qi and blood throughout the entire body and facilitates the expulsion of pathogenic cold from the deepest to the most superficial regions. According to Zhang, its pungency opens up obstructions while its heat is able to disperse. Therefore, it is capable of warming the muscles and flesh, yet also deeply vents from the sinews and bones so as to dispel congealing, stubborn cold, causing the water to flow again as the ice disappears. Essentially, the key strategy, uh, that's the next section under the common commentary of this formula. In practice, focusing on this ability to unblock the qi dynamic is thus key to the successful use of major blue-green dragon decoction, or uh, da qing long tang. Paragraph 39 of discussion of cold damage, that's the shanghan lung, is explicit in distinguishing a pattern characterized by a floating and relaxed pulse and a sensation of heaviness in the body that sometimes becomes better and sometimes worse, and that responds to Da Qing Long Tang from a similar presentation in lesser yin stage disorders. <coughs> in both cases, the circulation of Yang Qi through the body is impeded by the presence of yin excess. This is experienced as heaviness of the body accompanied by sensations of heat, chills, and an absence of sweating. However, because in lesser yin patterns the yang qi is deficient, the, pa the patient will be primarily cold and any heat signs will be due to weak yang floating toward the surface. In the present pattern, however, yang qi is strong and, and the constraint and thus the irritability and restlessness are pronounced. Historically, this formula has been enormously influential in establishing a strategy for releasing the exterior while simultaneously clearing heat from the interior. There are uh, several modifications for this formula, according to Scheid and his team. For less severe cold in the exterior, reduce the dosage of Mahuang. Makes sense. Mahuang is strongly very warming. For more pronounced signs of heat in the interior with severe irritability, restlessness, and pronounced thirst, increase the dosage of gypsum fibrosum of Shergao. Makes sense. That is the big cooling herb in this formula. For cough and wheezing with thin mucus, increase the dosage of Arminaceae semen shingren, that's the apricot seed, and add in Penelia rhizoma bansha, fructus perilla, fruit sudza, and mori cortex sung by P. Those are all very good for, for phlegm and thin mucus. For superficial edema with reduced urination, add poria, fuling, poliparous juling, mori cortex sung by P, and lapidii semen or uh, descurbis. Curanie, semen, ting lidze. Uh, so, you know, most of those are, are what we call drain damp herbs. Uh, the tinglingza, I think it, yeah, I think it's that or yang tonic. It's in the same ballpark, though. It's good. Chenjin have a few more modifications. For headache and pain in the extremities, add chuan shang, rhizoma chuan shang, and bai jir, 
Radix angelica dehurica. These are both really good herbs for treating headaches. For signs in, of fever and fatigue, add Maidong or Maimindong, Radix ophiopagonis, and Wuwedza, which we just talked about, uh, I think, two weeks ago. Fructus shishandrus chinensis. If there is dryness and thirst caused by, by lung heat, uh, add Shea by Sun or drain the white powder. So that's a whole other formula modification. So there's some modifications. Uh, comparisons, uh, Shai compares today's formula with only one other formula, which is gypsum decoction shergao tang. So again, we have shergao in both of those, clearly. Uh, the presentations for both of these formulas include similar symptoms due to heat in the interior and yang constraints in the exterior. However, the heat treated by shergao tang is not only more severe, but has spread throughout all three burners. By contrast, major blue-green dragon decoction da ching lung tang focuses on patterns with stronger yang chi constraint in the exterior, but less blazing heat in the interior, or heat that is not yet transformed into toxin. Later generations of physicians developed a number of new formulas based on gypsum decoction of shergao tang. So there you go. Uh, biomedical indications uh, for use of this formula. Scheid says, with the appropriate presentation, this formula can be used to treat a wide variety of biomedically defined disorders primarily infectious in origin, such as upper respiratory tract infections, influenza, superative keratitis, acute infectious conjunctivitis, those are eye issues, sinusitis, bronchial asthma, viral pneumonia, low bar pneumonia, pulmonary gangrene, septicemia, or, or uh, infection of the blood, scarlet fever, and erysipelas, which is an infection of the skin. In addition, it has been used in dermatology for such conditions as contact dermatitis, drug dermatitis, exfoliative dermatitis, sebaceous cysts, and psoriasis. This formula has also been used to treat a miscellany of biomedically defined problems, among them drug fevers, acute stage of leukemia, nephritis, which is inflammation of the kidneys, the uh, kidney infection, brain trauma, hypertension, uh, cardiovascular disease, and strokes. Chen Chen say it can be used to treat common cold, influenza, asthma, wheezing and dys dyspnea or trouble breathing, fever, bronchitis, coughing, pneumonia, meningitis, measles, urticaria or, or, or um, hives, erysipelas again, arthritis and hydrosis, which is the, the uh, not sweating basically, allergic rhinitis, acute nephritis and edema caused by nephritis. Again, that's kidney issues, inflammation or infection of the kidney. Science behind this, Chen Chen discussed studies with positive findings using Da Qing Lung Tang as treatment. These include asthma. Most of these use modified formulas. Um, asthma was only slightly modified, had an N of 46. Wheezing and dyspnea added herbs to it, N of 74. Fever used it straight, uh, this, this study on fever, with an N of 300, so that's a pretty good N. Uh, N means uh, number of subjects. I'm sorry, I should have uh, done that. And the higher, the better. Anhydrosis, using a modified formula. Again, anhydrosis is uh, not sweating, but there was only an N of 12, so that's really small, not statistically significant. We usually want to see 30 to 40 to have statistical significance. And allergic rhinitis and acute nephritis in smaller studies as well. There are some concerns about drug-herb interactions here. Gonsal, um, 
you know, when you look at drug urban interactions, they don't make the distinction between honey fried and regular licorice. So this is regular licorice, but, you know, same sort of thing. Consuming induced cytochrome P452C9 and 3A4. These are targets for drug urban interactions. Uh, so 3A4 is the one that is particularly about 60% of drugs utilize cytochrome P450 3A4 for, uh, for its metabolism. So that's a, a, a fairly high risk factor for drug urban interactions. Gonsal may also increase blood pressure. That's licorice has is known for that. Honey frying is supposed to take that down a little bit. But really, a lot of the other herbs uh, uh, will hopefully balance that out a little bit. Uh, while there are no obvious cytochrome P450 or transporter protein general interactions with ephedra herba mawang, there are lots of interactions with specific drugs, and a thorough search should be undertaken. Uh, this is not taking into account the evidence of the dangers of this herb on general, in general, especially in those with heart issues. So again, we do always have to be a little bit concerned about that herb. Shenzhang appears to inhibit cytochrome P450, 2C9, 2C19, and 3A4. And ginger potentially interferes with anticoagulants, uh, and that has level C evidence on a scale A, B, C, D. So fairly low, but probably in humans. Uh, that's usually what level C means. Uh, so yeah, there's some, some definitely drug herb interaction risk here with, with a few of these herbs. Concerns. There are concerns about this formula. Scheid uh, says this formula is strongly diaphoretic, in other words, inducing sweat, which we should know. Should be administered gradually and stop once sweating has been induced. The formula is contraindicated in lesser yin patterns in cases of yang deficiency, in wind stroke patterns with deficiency of the exterior, and in all cases where sweating is associated with an increase in irritability, restlessness, and heat, i.e. cases of yin or blood deficiency. It is also inappropriate for wind cold fettering the exterior with severe accumulation of fluids in the interior. Chen Chen says something similar. Da Qing Lung Tang is a strong exterior releasing formula that may induce too much perspiration and damage Yang Qi. Therefore, this formula is contraindicated in patients who have spontaneous perspiration, aversion to wind, a weak pulse, or generalized deficiency. Should be used only as needed and discontinued when the desired effects are achieved. Do not use for a prolonged period of time or at an exceedingly large doses. Profuse sweating may consume yang and cause weakness, irritability, aversion to cold, and inability to sleep. To stop perspiration, the source text instructs to apply powder to the body. Traditionally, the powder of Longu, Ostraconis, Muli, Conja, Austria, or Nuomi, Oriza, Glutinosa was used. Today, baby powder may be used as a substitute to cool the body. Okay, that's it. We made it through minutes over appreciate you all being here so that was today's formula da ching long tang a really interesting formula for treating external cold with heat from ex from interior constraint we started by discussing buddhism and its influence on chinese medicine and then we got into the formula including its ingredients commentary science our concerns and cautions as well as its potential drug interactions and we learned this formula is really important in a certain subset of an external attack all in all an another exploration of an interesting and useful Chinese formula. In our next episode, in two weeks, we're going to be looking at another single Chinese herb, Gu Sui Bu, or Drinaria rhizome, or rhizoma. 
uh, a young tonifying herb. So that's that's interesting. It's young tonifying. So we're going to explain what that means. As usual, we'll explore all the intricacies of this herb as well as an explanation of its category. And of course, we'll have to discuss yang and its significance to Chinese medicine. And as always, we will look at something a little different. Join us in two weeks for another interesting, exciting episode. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you like this podcast, please do us a favor. Subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much. And remember, you can get CEUs and NCCAOM EDAs. That's Continuing Education Units and National Certification Commission of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine Professional Development Activities at www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org. That's integrativemedicinecouncil.org. You can always get in touch with me at Dr. Greg at spurbsherbs.com or at our website, www.spurbsherbs.com. And as usual, that was bibliography, bibliography. Spurbs Herbs. The proceeding was presented by Dr. Greg Sperber. We would like to thank Janelle for all her support and everybody else who contributed to this program. Janelle. Janelle. Timothy Dobbins. Roger Campbell.